here with on the dark moon, last dark moon. And now again we're meeting on a bright moon. And Kapuji has the moonlight wearing their Shuddha Septa moonlight vase today to sprinkle us with their causes mercy. So we have our good friends Jai Jagannath Prabhu and Padmanabha Swamiji visiting. And uh, we'll try our level best being also strugglers to represent something useful about Shri Guru Kripa Shri Guru Tattva. Yeah. <clears throat> I like to offer my surrendered obeisances to whatever degree that I can to my spiritual master. I also like to offer my obeisances to my Paramguru and Paramaguru, Srila Prabhupada and the Bhakti Siddhanta, respectively. Both have been a huge source of inspiration, especially in that, in the, of course, the, there were the beginning of my birth and spiritual life, and I was fed on the words of Srila Prabhupada and Srila Bhakti Siddhanta in the beginning of my spiritual life for the first two years. I was only reading Prabhupada and only Bhakti Siddhanta. So that was like the, like the mother's milk that fed me and allowed me to grow and be nourished. So I offer my obeisances to them as well. I offer my obeisances to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and all his associates, the source of inspiration to pursue a life in the spiritual world. Of course, to Sri Shivada and Krishna, our Lord and Lady in eternity. And I offer my obeisances to all of you. Many of my friends here are sources of Guru Tattvic inspiration, um, particularly Tamal Padmanatha Swami, Abhay Prabhu, and Danya. These are huge sources of inspiration that I go to regularly for my own sustenance. Um, today is Sri Guru Panima, so we're invited to reflect on what it means to be a disciple and what it means to worship Sri Guru. We often open up our Mangalacharam reciting the prayer Omakyana Timirandasya that we were born in the darkness of ignorance and the eye, like the inner eye of the soul, was swallowed up by this darkness. Like a darkness so dense that it just snuffs out all light. <clears throat> you can imagine entering like a deep dark forest and we have a flashlight and the darkness snuffs out the light. The light of madness snuffs it out. And so this darkness of ignorance snuffs out the light of the soul by which it does not even know itself, which is extraordinary. It's actually inconceivable. The Shema Bhavasma actually says it's inconceivable that you can be made of awareness or be consciousness and not be aware of it. It's like walking around, it's like fire. Suppose you were walking fire and you're have illumination coming from you, you have heat coming from you, but you don't know that. You try to embrace everyone. <laughs> please embrace me, please embrace me, because you're not aware of your own light and your own heat. So that is how powerful this darkness is, that it snuffs out all sort of terrestrial lights. All the terrestrial earthly lights get snuffed out by this darkness. And it can only be illumined by a celestial sun that can illumine the light of the inner eye of the soul. But if you look directly into the sun, you'll actually experience another type of blindness or darkness. No one is able to look directly at the sun without experiencing a sort of benighting effect as well. 
So someone tries to conceive the whole infinite absolute reality by their own power, then that creates another sort of blindness by which they're not able to pursue that reality. And so the I, actually the I itself receives the illumination of a ray of the sun. And it's by the ray of the sun that it becomes illumined and it can see the world around him and also begin to see and appreciate to a small degree the, the sun that is the source of that light. And so Sri Guru is like that sun, you know, Sri Guru, Sri Guru is God, also called as the Samasti Guru. He's like the, all the gurus taken together. <laughs> so he's like, he's a, he's a sun who manifests himself as individual rays to illumine the light, to illuminate the inner eye of the soul by which he can see himself and see the world around him with a proper orientation and proper perspective. And in that way, be able to orient itself to God itself. And so this, this ray of light is known as the Vyasati Guru. And this Vyasati Guru is God manifested in individual persons. It can be manifested in nature also. Nature can be Guru, it can be manifested in circumstances. Like Sri Parikshit Maharaj had been cursed to die and when all the sages surrounded him, they asked him the question, um, like, what's going on with you? How do you feel? You know, if it was us, you know, what would be our consciousness? But he reported to the sages that the Lord has kindly come before me in the form of a curse of a Brahmin boy. And by that illumination, I was able to cut off my hard attachment to material life and thus pursue him in earnest. So Guru is manifesting in all these different ray, rays of light, rays of the Guru, the Vyasa Guru principle, the ray of our nature, the different species of life, the circumstances of life, and so on. But it is to our our Gurus, our Diksha Guru and our Shiksha Gurus that we show special attention and special predilection because of what they actually distribute to us. They give a Shalakaya, shalakaya is like some sort of like, is it like a needle? Like a needle they like, I don't know, I have this image of a needle they stick in the eye, huh? It's uh, the, the black it's like, ointment. ointment. It goes underneath the eye. It goes underneath the eye. So we give special predilection to the Diksha Guru and especially to the Shiksha Guru, those who give us instructions, because that becomes the shalakaya, the thing that actually illumines the heart to such a degree that it's able to pursue uh, a, a fully personal existence in, in the spiritual world. Actually, the guru, the, the diction shiksha guru, they distribute some of the principles of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Priyojan. <clears throat> and actually, Sambandha by itself is sufficient to actually get illumination. Uh, so there is this very famous verse from the Bhagavatam, it comes at the end. This is Sudha Goswami glorifying his guru, saying that actually he was absorbed in the happiness of the self. And so profound was his absorption. He had no awareness of anything external. And there's a famous story. He's a 16-year-old boy, and he's traveling in the forest in his absorption in the happiness of the self. And he happens to pass beautiful young girls bathing. And apparently, 
So he's passing these beautiful young girls, and ladies have the ability to make out the mind of anyone, really, and apparently make out the mind of a man. This is a sidebar, this is totally a sidebar, but when I first joined the temple, the devotee who trained me up, he said that he joined, he lived in LA, and he said the, the matas in LA, they would sit down at breakfast time, and they would talk amongst themselves and identify who was a brahmacharya and who was not. <laughs> Even though all would be wearing saffron, they would look and say, okay, that's not a brahmacharya, that was not a brahmacharya. Okay, he might be a brahmacharya, let's test. <laughs> so they have the ability to make out the mind, so they can make out Shukadeva Goswami's mind. Um, they can make out his mind, but and they can understand that he had no tabyudhisthana bhava, he had no awareness of the external realities of a young boy and young woman and how that intimate and delicate situation can turned into a catastrophe. He was completely absorbed in Brahman. Api, although this was his situation, um, his essence, his essence was his absorption in Brahman was forcibly pulled. He was forcibly pulled out of that Brahman absorption toward the tasty Leela of Krishna. He was forcibly pulled out of that absorption. And that absorption was called his sara. So everyone has our sara, you know. Shukadeva Goswami's sara was Brahmananda. Our sara is, we'll leave it at that. You know, we all have our sara, the thing that preoccupies most of the space and captures us and absorbs us. And how do you, and our sara is probably something maik or something not as wonderful as Brahmananda. And so you're just trapped in there. How do you get pulled out of that? Now, Brahmananda is vastly superior to anything in this world. How do you get pulled out of something so powerful? Well, it was a tasty leela of Krishna. But how did he contact that leela? He just heard shlokas of the Bhagavatam echoed in the forest. And just by those shlokas, he was pulled toward the tasty leelas of Krishna. Now, we also hear, we also hear the same shlokas, and nothing happened to us. Aho uh, Bhakiyam, another story, Pranarit Vidinidhi. Aho Bhakiyam Sanakala Kuktan. He went into ecstasy for six hours. Now, like, you know, a couple of tears. Like, if I get a couple of tears, I'm like, man, I was in ecstasy. You're <laughs> 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 like, little, little drop, and then it's like, <laughs> my heart is pretty dry. So it's like, oh, I, I'm, I feel, I'm feeling. So he went into ecstasy for six hours, just hearing a whole bhakti yamstan Same verse, I'm sure we all have heard many times that ecstasy doesn't happen. So what's the difference? By hearing the shloka, he actually had experience of that reality. Because this is actually the meaning of sambandha. Sambandha means vacha, vyacha, vachaka sambandha. So vacha means like the actual vastu, the substance itself, Krishna. And vachaka is like the linguistic form of God. So sambandha means a relationship between that vastu and that linguistic form of God. Abhinnatvam namanamino, the name and the name, they're not different. So that is called Vachya Vachaka Sambandha. So when you hear Srimad Bhagavatam or you hear the name of Krishna, you're actually associating with Krishna. But only a certain type of soul has the ability to experience a shelter like that. 
So the verse that is quoted by our charyas in this connection is the second verse of Bhagavatam. Dharma projita satam. So those souls who are near Matsaranam Satam, they are not envious. And the reason they're not envious is because they can see the true value of a self. The true value of the body is not in the externals, but in their very nature as the, the Shakti of God. And that is intrinsic. It can never be stolen from them, no matter what they're doing in this material world. That is intrinsic. And they can see that, so they're not envious. So for these type of souls who are called kritibi, and it means like pious persons, but it means these sorts of persons, they may at once capture God in their heart just by a desire to hear about him, what to speak of actually hearing about him. So they experience the shlokas like that, or the, the name, the, the bachaka, the words describing the Lord's Namrukunami, they experience like that. But then there are the others. This, this word cracks me up a lot because when you're reading it, Bhagavatam also in Charyavada, they'll say like, this is the great soul, and then there are the others. <laughs> and it sounds like so like majority. You're like, wait, am I I'm the other? <laughs> so there, this is the great souls, the but then there are the others. And the others are basically our sara is you know this calcified my preoccupation. And so we don't experience the the sambanda like that. Again, sambanda meaning vacha vachaka sambanda. So because of that, the guru who is distributing that sambanda, which by itself is enough to illumine, but saying that, that we're not illumined by that, that Guru Dev also teaches about Abhideya and Prayojan. The reason he distributes knowledge about the Abhideya and the Prayojan is because we don't experience sambanda like that. And so wanting us to experience the beauty of Krishna and the beauty of that world, the beauty of that relationship, then there has to be teachings about Abhideya and teachings about Prayojan, which he also distributes. The process of turning towards God in the process of actually having that experience to attract our hearts to that beauty. And so although the Guru is manifesting everywhere to give illumination, it is through that Diksha Shiksha Guru, specifically, who distributes Sambandha Abhideya Prayojan, that really attracts the heart of the disciple, provided that disciple has received those teachings of Sambandha Abhideya Prayojan. So, one final point here, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta says this thing. Um, I didn't expect to go this direction, but anyway, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta says this thing that um, that the true guru and the true disciple are both denizens of the spiritual world. This is an essay you can read called Initiations into Spiritual Life. So the true guru, again, the true guru is God. Kaviraj Goswami, when he's giving his sort of um, unfolding of the Guru Tattva principle in his Mangalacharan and the first chapter of the CC, he quotes the verse, to describe the Guru principle. So the Guru is the Dadmi Buddha Yoga Tam. He's the one who's giving Buddha Yoga and illumination by which one can come to God. But who is the person who is receiving Buddha Yoga? That person who is at every moment, Satatayuktanam communing with God with love and performing his worship with that affection. That is a person who is receiving the Buddha Yoga. So with that in mind, well, I don't know if I don't know if Shubhakti Sadat's in mind, but he says that both the Guru and the disciple are both denizens of the spiritual world. <clears throat> Often there's a lot of pressure on the Guru 
to be a denizen in the spiritual world. And the disciples are just like, nope, nope, nope. But the disciples should also be a denizen in the spiritual world. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta goes on to say after that, that in order for the religious life to be realized in this world, spiritual discipleship mm -hmm. has to be possible, even if you're not a denizen in the spiritual world. So I wanted to just say something quickly to that idea that um, this sort of culture of, the, the, we've received a very beautiful culture where the guru absoluteness is very much emphasized, as it should be, as Shastra is also emphasizing. The guru is an aspect of the absolute truth. <clears throat> At the same time, the disciple who truly receives Sambandha, he is also an, an aspect of the absolute truth at the end of the day. Therefore, Shri Bhaktisiddhanta will also say in this essay that, that the Guru or Krishna communicates only to the true disciple who's also in the spiritual world. And so that's like we can call it like the heaven conception of the Guru. And then you have like the earth. And so how do we, the earth means where the guru may or may not be, the disciple may or may not be. So how do we realize such an absolute principle in this particular world? How do we sing these songs of our acharyas with those the, the amazing feelings, which are the feelings of persons who are perfected and on the absolute plane? I think actually it can be, it can be experienced even without perfection. I wouldn't qualify that, but even when our profession can be experienced, if the guru and the disciple um, honor the relationship of the guru distributing Sambandha Abhideya and Pryojan to his disciple, and the disciple going to that guru in order to receive that. If that relationship is honored on earth, then it will be an experience of having on earth, so to speak. In other words, I don't know how to say this gently. It's not my strong point. Um, but basically, I, I'd like to propose that looking into the future of this sort of relationship and our sanghas and whatever we may hope to do for the world, um, it has, the relationship with the guru has to be one where the guru really takes up the responsibility of seeing to it that the disciple who is not experiencing some bandha also really understands abhideya and prayoja and he guides him towards that experience like personally and the disciple who is choosing a guru is choosing that guru because he wants to receive that not everyone requires a guru tasma therefore only those persons who have realized the, the vanity of the material and the celestial world only they should surrender to a guru says and do what and you inquire about your highest welfare if the disciple honors his role of inquiring about Sambandha Abhideya Priyojan, and the guru does his role of distributing Sambandha Abhideya and Priyojan, then the disciple will be able to feel how this person has helped me so much, how this person has given so much illumination to my heart. And, um, and, and therefore be able to sing even the bhajans of these perfected souls with a, a, at least a glimmer, maybe a reflection of that feeling knowing that wow i actually received such a sacred thing and not only did i receive it sambanda but i also received the means by which i could really move towards that and when i got confused they were there to answer and illuminate me etc um so anyway on this therapy we're, we're asked to reflect <clears throat> on why we worship guru and looking at my own 
gurus in my life. And like I said, there are many fold, many shiksha gurus there. This is how I'm inspired. I, I can think in my heart, I can draw them to mind and think how they're helping me progressively realize these things. And therefore, what it does is owed to the guru that can never be repaid, even when a lifetime of Lord Brahma. That's good about Okay, I did the best I could. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mirave Gauru Chandraal, Radhikaya Tadali, Krishnaya Krishna, Moktai Tad, Moktai Watch out! Yeah, there's some sitting room up there. Also. Watch out for the camera, but I think it will okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And because now we will move. <laughs> we are too big. What's it? so pranam to all of you pranam to Krishna feel very blessed to be intimately even physically speaking intimately surrounded by all of you so that's increasing the confrontation to truth telling and intimacy so that's great blessing to perceive that even on a physical level not only on physical level but happy to be with all of you <clears throat> so I was thinking about Jai Jagannath's words and yeah, deeply appreciated them and hopefully a few words in compliment to what he shared, a few words in compliment to what Mal Krishna will mentioned, especially in connection to the Guru Purnim celebration that we are officially pointing at to today. Uh, especially we are here at the fear of Sri Sri Gurudadar, which basically also teaches us so many principles, so many layers of confidential tattoo but one of them is that even god has a guru and guru is such a principle that mahaprabhu who is jagat guru himself jagat guru has his own guru in the form of gadadhar pandit not only gadadhar pandit we may know ishwar puri kesha bharati and so on but gadadhar pandit is one of the main Gurus of Mahaprabhu, Bhagavad Guru, Srila Srimash will beautifully say, Nilambodi Tatasades Vabiraha, Kepambitam Bandavam, Srimad Bhagavati Katam Adiraya Sanjeeva Yambhatiya. 
Mahaprabhu is dying at the shores of the ocean, basically, in Jagannath Puri, in separation, in, in Sri Radhavav. And Gadadhar is coming on a daily basis to save his life. And pouring on his ears, of the cup of his ears, the wine of the Bhagavata. Bhagavata Madhiraya, says Shilasidhar Maharaj, in a very, very intoxicating substance, Sanjeevayam, which acts like Sanjivani, like something that brings Mahaprabhu back to life. That's a type of seva that these two little unlimited personalities are invited to on a daily basis. As I like to say sometimes, we are nobody, but somehow by the arrangement of Sri Guru, by the grace of Vaishnavas, ultimately in our eternal life of seva, one of our main services will, will be to save the lives of the divine couple on a daily basis. Because Krishna is dying in separation of Sridhada many times per day. Sridhada is dying in separation of Krishna many times per day. And we are in between that, hoping to do something about it. So that's very humbling. If we properly understand that, it's not like I'm so important that we'll be saving the life of Mahaprabhu and Nithinav. It's just completely the greatest type of humility has to be invoked by realizing, wow. So in this way, Gadadhar Pant is the guru of Mahaprabhu. Jagat Guru Sri Gauranga Dev is teaching to us. Even I have a guru, not only one guru, but so many. And my life depend, depends on them. Again, Mahaprabhu was a student. His life is, how do you say in English, pending? Yeah. Pending on a thread. And Gadadhar, one of his, if we will say one of his most prominent gurus, comes to save his life on a daily basis. So for a real disciple, three gurus basically the same principle. My life is like, very fragile, very like pending on that little thread. And Guru Kripa is coming on a daily basis to you know, pour the proper wine, so to say, pour the proper Sambanda, Abhideya, Prayojan, Kata, and okay, yet another day alive in Bhakti. <laughs> because being alive is not a matter of just breathing physically. We can breathe physically and be what the scriptures call Atmaha. The killer of the soul. Nobody can kill the soul, but you can breathe and be not precisely very much alive. Nihayat karma dharmaya, nabida gayar kalpati, natirta sivaya. Jivana primrita hisahati bhakti says in the Bhagavatam. He whose karma doesn't take him to tyaga and whose tyaga doesn't take him to bhakti is dead though he is breathing. So we have this idea of living corpses, so to say. <laughs> We don't to be living courses in the name of bhakti. That's like the greatest scandal. So, to, so we, we have to take proper shelter in Sri Guru. So today I wanted to to share a few reflections, especially in the in the direction of Sri Guru as the spiritual master as an eternal student. Like somehow the Jagannath Prabhu touched upon that. We are the disciples. The Guru is the Guru, but the Guru is the perfect student as well. And that's why the Guru is who he is or who she is, because of the perfect sissetua, not like disciple-ness. <laughs> Sorry to create a few words today. So, <clears throat> so in, in, in a deeper sense, yeah, both, both guru and disciple are disciples. Both guru and disciples are servants of the same cause, of the same higher cause. Both of them are fully, ideally, <clears throat> the ideal guru, the ideal disciple, both of them are fully identified, invested into the same cause. 
it's a teamwork as we were talking a few days ago with with Tamah. Of course, the disciple will feel Guru Dev is doing the big percentage of the equation, but both need both need each other, so to say, for the equation to work. You, know, you cannot be a, a teacher if you don't have a student. You cannot be a student if you don't have a teacher. So both of them are needing each other, but serving a higher common cause. So Sri Gurudev is a student as well. I always remember these beautiful words from Srila Bhakti Rakshatsidhar Dev Goswami. He will say, we are students forever. So, you, I mean, it doesn't come with, of course, with here, no realization is coming to you from my lips, but try to imagine the Trila Siddhama is saying that to you. We are students forever. So we, we are students, we are students, and we aspire to be students. That's basically the idea of bhakti. You know, like bhakti is sadhana, bhakti is sadhya, sishyatra is sadhana, sishyatra is sadhya. You know? It's not like, okay, being a disciple is the means for some days stop being a disciple. <laughs> so I can retire, I become finally a master. No? That's not the idea. No? The more disciple I am, the more I start to relish the rasa of being a sisya, so to say. And, and as I like to put it, to be a guru basically means to remain a disciple, but from a different seat. That's it. It's not that the guru is, oh, now I'm guru, I don't have to be a disciple anymore. I remember I was talking a few days ago, I already told some of you with Sri Radhanath Maharaj. He was kind enough to tolerate me for three hours and a half. That shows his capacity for tolerance, his sadhutva. <laughs> and one of the points he made was that when he was quoting how Srila Prabhupada one day on the Abhir Mahotsava Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he will say a few words after he started crying and the class was over. Generally, whenever Prabhupada Generally, never spoke that much about Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, not because he didn't have too much to say, but whenever he started to talk, he will choke up and that's it. So that's, of course, much more than millions of words, those tears. But on one occasion, he basically said something that his own Gurudev had said, and he pointed at his disciples and said the famous words of Bhakti Siddhanta, which are, you are not my disciples. All of you are my gurus. And I'm here being your servants. No? So the Guru is the greatest servant, the greatest disciple. Once I was talking with, with one sadhu who is a guru, and I was inquiring, like, how, how do you deal with the with being a guru? With how in disciples with being surrounded by an ocean of key jais and not drowning in it? <laughs> how millions of people over idealizing you and who knows what. And he told me, he's a disciple of Srila Prabhupada, and he told me, I see that everyone in the same line, I see every one of these disciples that come to me, sent by me, sent to me by Srila Prabhupada, to further engage me in Prabhupada's service. So by me accepting each one of them, I'm not accepting a disciple, but I'm accepting my guru even more, because all of them are engaging me more in the service of my guru. So instead of accepting disciples, I'm accepting my guru more and more, and I become myself a disciple more and more. That's, that's the only way I will say to, to survive uh, in the service of, being, of, of, of acting as a guru. So today is, is Guru Purnim, and Guru Purnim is, among other things, is the 
birthday of Sri Vyasadev. Sometimes Guru Purnim is called Vyasa Purnim, basically. <clears throat> so I would like to share a few words on how Vyasadev is basically showing this principle. Vyasadev in one sense is the is the prototype, the prototype figure of the Guru. Guru Purnim is celebrated throughout India, not only in our particular tradition. And Vyasadev is seen as the universal Guru figure, so to say. So I would like to touch upon a few probably well-known situations, Kate, of his life in which he tell, teaches not only how to act properly as a guru, but how to act properly as a disciple while remaining a guru. So of course, from the side of Vyasa being a guru, he's mostly known by, as Jai Jagannapra was instructing by him sharing Bhagavat with Sukadev Goswami, his son, instructing him and investing his whole being in Sukadev Goswami. That starts to speak about the, the commitment of the Guru. I'm investing my life to you, in you. The Guru is a servant of the Shraddha of the disciple, basically. That's another way of putting what's a Guru. Who is a Guru? Guru, guru is a servant of the Shraddha of the faith of a disciple. So Vyasadeva is fully investing. I mean, we know that before Sukadev meeting the naked girls, we know that Vyasadeva is also described running after Sukadev. We know the story, no? Sukadev was born, he runs into the forest, and Vyasa is described running after him. That's including the famous pranam mantra to Sukadev Goswami, Jam Pravajanta etc. So sometimes I've heard about the saying, <laughs> which is not correct. Obviously, oh, was running after Sukadev because he was attached to his son. But Sukadev was so detached that he ran naked and even the ladies were not disturbed by him. But it, so it, it presents Vyasa as some form of, yeah, attached Grihamedi or something. Oh, son, son, come back, come back, come back, I'm attached to you. But actually, I mean, we are talking about Srila Vyasadeva. <laughs> So why he was running after Sukadev? Because he knew in, in Sukadev I have a proper, how do you say, vessel to fully invest all that is filling my heart and serve that strata that, that there's a potential there that I can serve completely. So he was just, sometimes it did say, a disciple may say, I'm looking for a guru, but a real guru is looking for a real disciple. Not looking for disciples in terms of Lava, Puja, Pratista, but looking for real disciples to give the wealth of his heart, her heart to that person, which is, again, that's a big commitment. That's not a joke. It's a very sacred contract that both guru and disciples are signing from both sides. It's not just disciples surrender completely, but guru is surrendering completely. That's what inspires the disciple to to offer one's whole Atma as an in charity to Srila Gurudev. So Vyasa was, again, he's acting as a guru and he's giving the example how a guru should behave, running after his, his disciples, so to say, wanting to serve his father and to fully invest his heart in the heart of his disciples. So eventually he, he speaks. Bhagavat to Sukadev. 
And in this way, he, he presents, he gives a Jnana Anjana. Guy Jagana was speaking about Oma Jnana Timirandas, yeah? So that verse speaks about the Jnana Anjana, which means the ointment, you say? Ointment of certain knowledge, Sambanda Jnana and so on, and eventually, which will qualify us to attain the Prema Anjana. Prema Anjana, we know the famous verse in Brahmas and Kita. Prema Anjana but before having our eyes ointed with the salve of divine love, first we receive jnana anjana. So Gurudev instructs about Sambanda, Videya, Prayojan. So again, Vyasa is a very perfect prototype of what the Guru is supposed to, be, to do. Compassionately running after his disciples, <laughs> wanting to pour himself in them in full commitment, and they're teaching very perfectly about that. <clears throat> But again, remaining as a guru, Vyasa Devi is a perfect example of, of a disciple. Mm -hmm. and, and a few examples of that is to begin with that comes to mind. Sri Vyasa Devi, as we know, in the beginning of the Bhagavad, and it is described how he felt, uh, how to say in English, despondent, mm -hmm. in due to feeling incomplete himself. So he had the humility and the sincerity to acknowledge, hey, I'm not fulfilled. I, I, I don't want to play self-satisfied guy in front of all of you. I, I'm fulfilled. I'm crying. I'm despondent. I'm in anxiety. I feel something. I can upgrade what I've done till now. I, I don't like to claim that what I've done is perfect. And that's a guru. No? So there's place for a guru acknowledging a few of that stuff. No, It's okay. There's place for a guru sometimes saying, I don't know. <laughs> Once someone asked you, like, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, who is the, the Yuga avatar for Trita Yuga? And Prabhupada said, I don't know. And he continued talking. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're in Kali Yuga, Mahaprabhu came. That's enough news to go deep into that. So, Trita Yuga, Yuga, I don't know. It's okay. It's not that oh, he's not, not bona fide anymore because he didn't know that specific so on. I mean, the guru is not like an entertaining machine to to massage all your intellectual curiosities and whatever question. It's not about entertaining, but it's about real commitment and nourishment. So, so yes, they've had that humility as a guru and acknowledging there is something else I can do. I made not a mistake. I'm not saying yes, they was mistaken at all, but he was he had the openness to continue growing. It's not that, okay, I'm a guru, so I can claim perfection. Nobody can tell me anything. Whatever I'm saying is perfect. No, he was willing to continue evolving, continue developing. And, of course, the result of that was Srimad Bhagavatam. And without Srimad Bhagavatam, we wouldn't have Gaudiya Sampradaya. But what's the Bhagavatam? is the result of the genuine guru correcting himself. In one sense. Vyasa being strict with himself correcting himself, aligning, entering to a deeper level, so to say, of alignment with reality, Samadhi, Basra, Srimad Bhagavatam, Mahaprabhu, Gaudiya Sampradaya, and so on. But the Sri Vyasadev publicly tells his story in the Bhagavatam to Narada. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, tells his story about what happened to Nar with Narada. <laughs> so he makes public his, how to say, his shortcomings, so to say. It's not that that cannot be made public. That's important. Sometimes having a guru correcting himself publicly 
it's a very important lesson for the rest of the audience or the rest of the community. So that's one side of Sri Vyasadeva as a disciple, basically, as entering into that place. And of course, the famous example then is when he instructs Sri Sukadev Goswami. Eventually, Sukadev Goswami is talking the Bhagavad and to Pariksi Maharaj, and where is Sri Vyasadeva? I mean, not with one of these. He's in the audience listening in ecstasy with rapt attention with his own disciples speaking. And not only Vyasadeva is there, but Sri Vyasadeva's own guru, Narad Muni, is right next to him. The two of them are completely rapt hearing the disciple of his disciple. So it's not like, oh no, he's the disciple. He cannot be talking Harikata. Whenever Sri Harikata chooses to manifest in a very unique way, the Vyasasana is for that person. No, no matter if it's Vyasadev, he's a naked 16-year-old boy, <coughs> if it's whomever. That shows us also the how how saragrahi we should be, <clears throat> how essentialist we should be in grasping this principle of Guru De Guru Parampara. <laughs> like Parikshit Maharaj himself. <clears throat> Who was Parikshit Maharaj? He was basically one of the most experienced personalities in the whole world. And he accepted as his guru, someone who was younger than him, who was basically a teenager, naked. And imagine yourself in that situation. You are like, I don't know, 50 years, 40 years. You have been king of the emperor of the whole planet. Lots of experience, lots of knowledge, lots of saintliness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, pretty soon, <laughs> Darshan of Bhagavan from the womb. So here we are not talking about only one type of experience, but the whole gamut of experience. And you are looking for a guru for your last week in this land. And then and you are that person. I mean, I know it's difficult to enter into those shoes, but imagine you are that person. You're looking for a guru and just out of the forest here in Rangini Bhavan Ashram, comes a naked 15-year-old boy surrounded by crazy people, insulting him, throwing him rocks. It seems like a bizarre scenario or something like, I'm, I, they are making some joke to me and they're filming and I don't know what's going on or something. But Pariksi Maharaj goes, goes beyond all those layers of formality and, and he, feel, he finds Guru Tattva is present there. And he doesn't doubt for a moment. Not, not only himself, but all the sages present there is, Sukadev has to occupy the Vyasas, including Vyasadev, his guru, Narad Muni, all of them, please go there. So that's a very important principle about the, the nature of Guru Parampara. No? Because again, all of them are disciples, all of them are students forever of this same principle, of this same subject matter. That's why we call it Guru Sisya Parampara. No? It's not only Guru Parampara, sometimes we abbreviate and say Guru Parampara. But it's Guru Sisya because, and, and with this, we are not only highlighting, there's also the Sisya, but also we are highlighting the Guru is Sisya as well. Because if the Guru is not Sisya, how we can be Sisya? If the Guru is not showing perfect example of disciple, how can I be a disciple? I don't will, I won't have any point of, of reference, basically. So this is another famous instance, Sri Vyasadev, prototype of Guru, Sri Vyasadev perfect prototype of disciple. <clears throat>
taking notes, hearing from his disciple, learning from his disciple, being open to, I can learn from my disciple. Even as I mentioned in my book, I will find the service of Ramal Krishna, with whom we had a very loving disagreement for a few moments a few days ago. Loving disagreement, I say. <laughs> That's beautiful. Prefer a loving disagreement than a non-loving agreement. So. <laughs> Disagreements are the test of real relationship. Let's see if we disagree and we can put the word loving in between. So, <laughs> but eventually we clarify that there was no, I hope there was no longer disagreement. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> you will see his face and let's see if this disagreement remains. <laughs> because basically I mentioned in my book recently that the guru has such a capacity. I mean, ideally a guru will be more advanced than the disciple. That's ideal scenario, I would say. So if the guru is more advanced than the disciple, it means that the guru also has more capacity to learn than the disciple. As Jagannath was saying, we some bandha will be enough, but we don't have the capacity to enter into some bandha fully, so we need a little bit more. So in that idea, we could say if the guru has more capacity to learn than the disciple, in one sense, we could say that the guru, at least in potential, can learn more from the disciple than what the disciple can learn from the guru in some cases. You follow my point? Not because the disciple is higher than the guru instructing the guru, but how much learning capacity each one has. Of course, each case will be unique, and I'm, I'm just saying it's a general idea. I'm not saying in every case it's like that. But to be a disciple also means to have learning capacity. And of course, the guru is topmost disciple, ideally. Therefore, means topmost learning capacity which means the guru will be learning from everything and everyone, not even from his disciple, but from every atom and insect and species. So I think tomorrow will share a few words in a few minutes about many gurus describing the Bhagavatam and so on. And for me, it's interesting just, just to conclude uh, that how in the in the scripture, in Shastra, whenever we are, whenever the topic of the guru is brought, like the definition of the guru, I will say there are three main verses in Shastra that speak what's the guru but interestingly in the same verse it has it speaks about what's the disciple also because mm -hmm. you cannot have one without the other and again because the guru is to begin with a disciple also a student mm -hmm. so one of the verses will be let's go to the first one that Jagannath quoted Tashmat Gurum which in brief words says Surrender to a guru, of course, Tashmat, therefore, many verses before, no time now to go there. <laughs> and the disciple, it begins speaking about the disciples' qualities first. One should be inquiring in the direction of the highest truth, surrender in the direction of the guru, and that comes the guru's qualification. Not his, uh, how do you say, drenched. Nishnata means like drenched into knowledge of revelation, into direct experience of that. He's, he has taken shelter into tranquility, and so on. But first, the disciples' qualities are there. Interesting. Then comes the Guru. Then we can go to the Bhagavad Gita. First, the qualities of the Guru, the disciples. Sorry. And all these verses are parallel to each other. The same points are being made over and over again. Disciple has to surrender, inquire humbly, render service. Then comes the qualities of the guru. 
basically Jignasha, and sorry, Tattvadarshina, Jnani Tattvadarshina. He has seen the truth and he knows the truth, theory and practice. But first he calls to the disciple. <laughs> and then we have this other verse, which is from the, which is Mundaka Upanishad, Sretashvatar Upanishad, Tadvigyanartam Shagurumi Vavigachet, Samit Panit Shrotriya, Brahmanishna. Again, Tadvigyanartam Shagurumi Vavigachet. If one is inquiring to the highest good, that speaks of the disciple, one should surrender to a guru. Samit Pani. One should bring the good of sacrifice. One should have a willingness to surrender to the sacrifice for the Guru. And then, Shotriyam Brahmanishna. Then the Guru's qualities. He's expert in Shruti and he has firm faith, firmly fixated in the Absolute. So these three main verses that speak what the Guru is about actually first speak what the disciple is about to begin with. Not only for us to know what I'm supposed to do as a disciple, but also to highlight Sri Guru Dev is for, first and foremost student forever. That's why we don't have a, a separate Sisya Purnim, so to say. We only have Guru Purnim. We don't celebrate the day of the disciple because that's included in the equation. Because we cannot speak about Guru Purnim without Sisya Purnim. So today we are basically celebrating both the day of the Guru and the day of us as disciples, the day of the opportunity of being disciples. Of course, this is not to be celebrated once in a year. No? A genuine disciple is celebrated this every single day of their lives, every single moment, the opportunity to be a disciple and to learn from the principle of Sri Guru how to serve, what, does, what a disciple is to do. So anyhow, I don't want to extend myself more a few words and the spiritual master as as a student, as eternal student of the feet of Sri Sri Gurudada, again, Jagat Guru Sriman Mahaprabhu, and Jagat Gurus Gurus, Gurudev, no? Sri Gadadar Pandit, who daily instructs him about the arts and, and the nuances of tasting Radha Baba, making his whole lila successful. No? Basically, I, I don't want to start to go into the direction of Gadai Kata because that we are lost and found, but basically, Without that other pant, there is no Gaur Lila, or at least there is no success in Gaur Lila. <laughs> so here we have these two personalities who very confidentially speak about the same principle. Guru Sishya in the most refined expression. Agyanati Mirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Sakshurun Militam Yena Tasmashi Namaste Gurudevaya Sarva Siddhi Pradayine Sarva Mangala Rupaya Sarva Nanunamidayine Radha Samukha Samsatim Sakhi Sangha Nivasini Tamaham Satatam Bande Guru Rupam Param Sakim Gadadhar Shakti Veshamunato Jalachandrika Ragamarga Jagat Guru Bande Gaurana Rayana 
आनंत गंभीर सिद्धांत सिंधो श्रीरूप चिंतो जल चंद दया ज्योत्स्ना मूर्त गुरुपाद पद्मे तम शीर नारायण हम प्रपदे वंश कल्पतुभ्य कृपा सिंधु ृष्णप्रेमदाते कृष्णा कृष्ण चैतन्य नमने गौरकृषे नम कृष्ण चिस्थितधा राधा चिस्थित हरि जीवने निधने राधा कृष्णो तवैवस्मी तवैवस्मी न जीवामी तया विना जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निदाधिंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे So on this most holy and auspicious moonlit Shri Gaurapurnima, I offer my Shraddha Pushpanjali at the lotus feet of my Guru Pada Padma, Nitalila Pravishtam Vishnu Pada Ashtotara Shattashri Shira Bhakti Vedanta Narayana Goswami Guru Maharaj. Also the same reverence and love at the lotus feet of our Shira Prabhupada, Nitalila Pravishtam Vishnu Pada Ashtotara Shattashri Shira Bhakti Vedanta Swami Maharaj and to our whole Rupa Nuga Gauri Shri Vyasadev Ji Maharaj, Shri Janava Maharani, all Guru Tattva, all rays, all beams of the Samastha Guru, all Vyasti Guru, Apni Apni Guru Maharaj, Apni Guru Maharani, everyone's living inspiration, you know, how we are touched by the true and living God so that we can walk a sacred life. I give respect there. What it looks like for you, what it tastes like for you, how it works for you, thank God. We're celebrating that today. You know, if it's my Gurudev's appearance day or disappearance day, I would speak about him. But this day, we're speaking about Sri Guru, the principle of grace, of divine guidance. You know, this for everyone, all times, all places, 
somehow or other, even well before we're aware of it, there's a hand of help always trying to lead us by breadcrumbs without violating our free will. It's like dropping little clues and hints and tasty things to lead us toward a life that's better and better for us until we can make a free willing choice to embrace Prem Dharma. The best thing for me is to give myself away to someone worthy, to give myself to God. So, our friends, Mardi and Jagannath Prabhu, speaking about these principles, especially Vyasadev, have a sense of being both a teacher and a student. And I was thinking also today, uh, one of my favorite parts of the Srimad Bhagavatam is in the 11th canto. And one time I went to Gurmash after hearing this from my Gurudev, hearing about uh, how all the elements and beings of nature can be Guru. I was so excited. It touched me so deeply and I was so thrilled that uh, I had a few days when we had a preaching center in San Francisco. He was staying with us and, you know, and I asked him, oh, Gurudev, I love this kata so much. I don't know why. It makes me so happy and, and, and invigorated to think about the presence of grace in nature everywhere, the deer, the sun, the moon, the earth, the water. Like, oh, my God. I said, can I think about that when I'm chanting high now? <laughs> and he said, it's okay, no harm. He said, but I think also you should think about Krishna's sweet pastimes. <laughs> and I feel like that's been the genesis of my spiritual life. It's basically like, that's my life, you know? I try to live my spiritual life in communion with nature, taking inspiration. And, you know, this picture made me a devotee because I first understood, first of all, who is she? <laughs> And second of all, oh, God is barefoot lovers in a divine forest. Heaven is a forest. And that was it, you know, click. It's like, I had been around the block of many different traditions and things, but this, oh, that was very special. So anyway, I think that there's no uh, contradiction. You know? At one level, we can take like principles of life from nature. And at another level, you can take udipan, things that make you remember you know, your highest aspirations. So, I'm thinking to follow this theme, what Maharaj is bringing, uh, how the Guru is both teacher and student, always. Well, what makes one capable to teach is that they're really receptive. They're really receiving or have mightily received. And from the overflow of having mightily received or being continuously filled, one can teach. One is in a parampara, a link, a flowing chain of grace. And so, that Uddhava Gita in 11th canto is uh, where Sri Krishna is giving his special, like, special vintage, special reserve instructions to his best friend. Everyone thinks that Arjuna is Krishna's best friend, but actually Uddhava is. Uddhava understands Krishna's heart far better than anyone in Mathura or Dwarka. So someone who really gets us really understands our heart, what makes us weep, what we're longing for, what we're thirsting for, what we're struggling for, who really can understand that. They don't have to do anything about it. Just get it. If you get what burns in me, what twists in me, you know, what keeps me awake at night, you become a very, very dear associate. And so Uddhav, he had that special qualification. Outside of Vraj, no one really understands Krishna's heart, actually. But Uddhav was initiated by his gurus, Shiradika and the Brajagopis. He was sent there and he heard so much from them. Gurmar said when he looked at the love of the Braja Gopis, 
his hat fell off, trying to see the pinnacle, you know, the, the summit of that mountain of glorious prema. He's, and so Sri Krishna, he's giving some special reserve instructions to his best, best friend, Uddhav. And he's telling many things. Our Param Gurif, his favorite thing to preach from, to teach was 11th Canto. It's kind of like the Srimad Bhagavatam is building. You know, there's a platform first of the universal form. Oh, Prichard Marsh, I know you want to hear about Krishna. You've been thirsting for Krishna since you saw him in the womb. Be patient. First of all, sit in an asana and understand that the whole cosmos is sacred. That's your asana. When you're already completely free of like, this world is a problem, and you can see that the world is saturated with the hand of grace, Everywhere, every moment, everything, whether you like it or not, it's actually good for you and loving you. Then we can build upon that slowly up to the 10th canto. We can slowly approach without being in reaction or escapism or mokshavad, pure bhakti. First, you have to know that it's really cool already. It's really amazing. You know, where you're sitting, sit on the asan of that ah, sacred, the cosmic cathedral. This is holiness. There's nothing else. As Mars was saying in his class yesterday, this consciousness is undivided. God is God everywhere, everything, all the time. You know? So, Sri Krishna is telling this special reserve instructions. You know, the 10th the canto is like the, the climax point of the Sriman Bhagavatam. And then there's like the resolve. You know, in literature, there's like a build up, there's a climax, and then there's a resolve. And so the 11th canto in particular is about integration. You've been on this journey through these cantos, rising, 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 and you come to the rasa lila. You know, this is like puncture the highest membrane of all religious thought of all time. Break the rules and throw yourself to God. Forget that he's even God. Love him for who he is and not because he's God. Even that's in the way. There's nobody saying that, you know, and especially not so beautifully. You know, Krishna's saying Anyway, so after that, there needs some resolve. You have to be able to resolve and integrate. And what do you do with that? So there's all these mystical yogic instructions about, you know, how to make it sit in your body, how to make it sit in your person. And very mystical stuff, far more detailed and, and esoteric than what Krishna gave to Arjuna. At one point, Sri Krishna says to Uddhav, so I've told you a lot of stuff and... We've been a lot of, together a lot of time. And now, just so you know, in seven days, I'm going to leave. I'm going to disappear. The ocean's going to rise up. Dwarka's going to be gone, wiped out, underwater. Everything that you know and love, what your home and your best friend and everything is about to be over. Life is going to change a lot really soon. You know? Maybe it hit even harder for Uddhav. Like, then Parikshit Maharaj saying, you have seven days to live. Krishna saying, you have seven days to live with me. And so Uddhav... He's heartbroken. He's crestfallen. And he says, but how can I without you? You know, and right now he's in this humility. They're friends, but he's feeling through separation. Separation will just brings everybody down to their knees. Separation breaks all your pride, all your everything. And, you know, even someone who's cultivating some exalted, you know, radika dasya pride in their heart. When the thunderbolt of uh, humbling separation strikes, Boom, down on the knees. There's no like, oh, Shamsundar, what are you doing in this kunja? No. You're <laughs> rolling on the ground begging to be a speck of dust at his feet. And so Uddhav, he goes down on his knees and he's, how will I live without you? How will I navigate life? You're my guru. You're my everything. And Krishna says, in essence, look, sometimes you have to be your own guru. 
sometimes you don't have me face to face. Sometimes, like most of the time, you don't have Shiguru face to face. Sometimes there's a calamity and the Guru is no longer qualified and has to be let go. Sometimes, in rare cases, the Guru lets go of the disciple, broken. Sometimes the Guru is, disappears from this world. Sometimes the Guru is just somewhere far away doing something important over there while my life is going on in a struggle. So most of the time, we're actually not in the presence of some divine master whom we can ask, what do we do with our life? How do we answer this, 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 this? How do I chant? How should I cook? What should I do? This, that. So Krishna's speaking to that, not to Uddhava, but to everyone, just like he's speaking Bhagavad Gita, not to Arjuna, but to everyone. He's saying like, sometimes you don't have some person standing in front of you to do all the thinking for you. Sometimes you have to actually lean on your own integrity, your own thirst for truth. Because if you have a thirst for truth, a true thirst, you will draw it. You know, because God is merciful. Guru Tattva means the principle of God's mercy. And if you just stop and think like, does God's mercy have limits? Does God's mercy have conditions? Is there a time when it's working and not? There are times that we feel it and there's times that we don't. That doesn't mean it's ever diminishing. It just means we're not paying full attention all the time. We're not making ourselves available. So Krishna says to Uddhav, you should learn to make yourself available. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you one last thing. He says, I want to tell you a story about my ancestors. Krishna says, my ancestor was Yadu Maharaj. My great, 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 great granddaddy. Famous, special person. We're called the Yadavas because of him, because of my ancestor. My glorious ancestor. We are proud to wear that. And before that, the moon. <clears throat> so he says, one time, my great-great-grandfather, Yadu Maharaj, he was riding through his kingdom. He was a good king. He was ruling with love and affection and wisdom and justice. He was rolling through his lands, through his territories, through his reign on a palanquin, and he was concerned in his heart for so many things, so many responsibilities on his head. King means that. Heavy is the crown. And so he was glancing out the window of his palanquin and he saw an amazing person pass through the crowd. And he was shining, absolutely radiant. He was completely different from everyone else in the whole street and everything. Like the king, as a thoughtful person, as a sensitive person, as someone whose destiny was to have God in his dynasty, he was special. And he picked up right away the presence of spirit in this person, just like Vyasadeva picked it up in a naked wild man coming out of the forest. Young, you know, and it was one wild looking Jata Baba, you know, twist of dreads, messily kept on one side, covered half in dust, and then part of his chest is clean from where the streams of tears are washing the dust off, and then he's stumbling, and he's so full of bliss and shining so hard, so outstanding. Yadu Maharaj said, put down the palanquin, and he jumps out and throws himself at the feet this avadut, wild person who's given up all social etiquette. Avadut means like not even sannyas. They're like, nothing holds me. I can't, I cannot conform to any expectation of anyone. I'm really busy with something higher going on right now. I don't have room. 
and my hard drive <laughs> is fully occupied with the program of like communion with the absolute. That's called avadut. They don't have to teach. They don't have to preach. They don't have to clarify points for us. They just shine. They just are it. They're so saturated like a sponge. You know, they are like a living antenna, someone who's totally given themselves beyond all temporal concerns, you know, to lean into the absolute. The people are like that. Walk on this earth makes the sun keep rising. And Yadimar has understood that, and he threw himself at his feet, and he was begging, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? What do you have? What is that? And actually that, they say, the commentary says, Dattatreya. Very interesting, Dattatreya, Rishi. Now he's the incarnation of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Now, three different planes of being, complete. He's a destroyer. He's a creator. He's a maintainer. He has somehow integrated tamas, destruction, rajas, like creative contribution, and sattva, absolute clean sustainability. All of that has somehow made this three-dimensional person called Dattatreya, who's covered with a thin veil of dust. And he sees something catches his heart also about the king. Like Mars was saying, the guru is also looking for the right disciple. Now he's not looking. But when someone's holding on his feet and he looks and they're like getting it, oh, you, you get it. <laughs> you want some of this? And so he said, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? What is it that you have? And he said, I'm happy because I'm always remembering my 24 gurus. I never forget my gurus. I have 24. It's not like, my Gurudev. You know, Bhaktivedanta, he's the best. He's the best. Everyone should take, you know. I have 24 gurus. There are lots of them. You know? And they're all great. He says, who are they? Now, it's a code. Because in Shankar philosophy, there's sometimes it depends on how you cut the cake. Reality is made of either 27 elements or 24 elements. It's one calculation. So 24 gurus. Now, he's going to say the sun and the moon and the earth, the five elements, you know, the deer and the wasp and the eagle, you know, the ignorant child, the prostitute. All these things, it's a code. It means 24 elements means everything that exists is my guru. Everything is talking to me, helping me. You know? Rupa Goswami says, Sarva Loka The person who sings these holy names of Krishna will be Sarva Loka They will be dear to the whole world. It means the whole world will start talking to them. Every situation, every calamity will have some value, some medicine, some breeze for the sails. And so... He starts talking about his gurus, all these different gurus. But really what Krishna is talking about, he's like, Uddhava, sometimes you have to be your own guru. Really did the deer come and tell him to be careful not to listen to mundane talk? Really did the uh, ignorant child, he saw an ignorant child while he was wandering from the jungle through a village. And the village was all stressed out about a drought. There's no rain. Everyone is stressed out. We're all going to die. The storehouse is going down. And they all can't talk about it. At nighttime, they light up the kerosene lamps. And they're day and night, same, same thing. Woe is us. Woe is us. Trouble, trouble, trouble. And, you know, hearing this chorus of lamentation and worry, like she said, I'm better to worry once than twice, you know. <laughs> better not to live in a, you know, worry when you're dying, you know, instead of worry all day long while you're still alive. And as the... Dattatreya is moving through this place, this chorus of lamentation. He sees a little kid in the road. 
little kid's like playing in the dust. He's made some little like toy from sticks or something with a piece of rag on the end or whatever. And he's like talking to his invisible friend with a stick, with a rag. With, and he's just full of happiness. He is not affected by the politics. He's not affected by any of this talking going on. He doesn't have a you know, Facebook account yet, so he doesn't have to hear all the different opinions about everything. All he knows is his play and his invisible friend. And so Dr. Treya leaned into that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let the adults, the dry, heady adults, have their hard life. <laughs> and let me stay with my invisible friend and roam free absorbed in what i'm absorbed in what fascinates me my playful i'm absorbed in this he's a yogi he's an ascetic but it's a play for him it's delightful mm -hmm. vairagya renunciation means vaishishta rupinarag means a very special attachment someone who's genuinely renounced it's because they just lost taste for the pleasures of the world because they're getting in some hidden cookie jar they have got their hand in something that nobody else knows about and they are not interested anymore in anything else that's what renunciation means and so Sri Krishna is telling Uddhava all these things all these examples look you won't see me anymore you won't have me to tell you everything but sometimes you have to be your own guru and observe and deduce and learn from what's happening because I'm everywhere. It's me. You know, when Krishna came as the Hamsa avatar, as a swan, he told the uh, four Kumaras, you know, there's a, a witnessing going on when you're awake, when you're dreaming, and when you're asleep. There's you witnessing, and everything else is me. There's only two things. There's you watching, and there's me. Oh, so, Uddhava, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just removing the jewel of my darshan from the eyes of the world. I never go anywhere. Now you have to see me indirectly, just like, you know, Sri Krishna, he's giving this kata you know, can't go too long, I don't want to keep you too long, but Sri Krishna, he's giving this kata with great integrity. You know, he's telling all these examples of learning from nature, but before I get to that final point, one thing, the thing is about being one's own guru is, here's one thing very practical to remember. To think about and consider four things determine our spiritual destiny four elements how we are exposed to these elements uh determines the outcome of our life what level of enlightenment what kind of integration we have whatever our life our future is determined by four things what kind of association we get what kind of instructions we hear you might have a great you know exalted saint in your life but if they don't see fit to tell you everything and they just tell you this, you know, surface stuff and they don't really feel like you're ready to catch or for whatever reason, if you don't have the chance to hear, it's not. But those what association you have, if you have great association, what instructions you get to hear, because there are things like if I only have black and white paint, I can paint a picture. But if somebody gives me red and blue and turquoise and burnt sienna and. I can have a much more developed picture. So we receive from association colors, you know, a palette full of like conceptions, ideals that we can work with, spices that we can cook with to develop a really sophisticated mood. If we don't have association with those who are dealing in colors and flavors, well, what we come up with is going to be limited. So first is 
the what kind of association you have. Second is, what instructions are you blessed to hear? What level of rahasya, of revelation, are you fortunate to receive? Third is your own endeavor. What do you do with that? You have to paint. You have to cook. It's not like, oh, Gurudev, Gurudev, bless me. It's like Gurudev's blessing is permission to think sacred, secret things that will make you turn into a butterfly. But you have to think them. You have to work with them. You know? So the third thing, your own endeavors. But if you have the best association and the best instructions and the best sadhan, 64 rounds every day, waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, there's still one element. And that's the alchemy of time. It takes time, thousands and thousands of repetitions, you know, to reconfigure your nervous system. Sanatana Goswami talks about, you want to do Braj Bhajan and Hari Bhakti Vilas? He said, first you need six months of like hardcore pranayam just to stabilize your nervous system that's been tweaked out by living in a medieval village in India. <laughs> what to speak of growing up in like Miami or New York or, you know, the calamity of like Wi-Fi. <laughs> Six months if you come from a Sattvic religious village in India in medieval times where everyone worships God. You need six months to like chill out your nervous system after that. <laughs> to be able to do center yourself and do bhajan. So what to speak of us? You say, oh, I want Raga Bhakti. Okay. <laughs> I tried yoga. <laughs> so I forget what I was saying. The alchemy of time. It takes time to cook it off. It takes time. We have to retrain. We have to be completely thoroughly rebuilt many things have to be broken and broken down to powder you know if you have a, a clay pot that's been cracked that's like our heart our life it's been cracked by so much craziness in this world and also our involvement in it that destroys our integrity that has to be a broken clay pot what do you do with it it has to be smashed every part of it has to be smashed 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 and every little part smash 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 until you have fine powder then you can make clay again and start over. So every hard baked, calcified, you know, stuck way that we've acquired through materialism, egocentrism, individualism has to be pulverized, softened, and then moistened, <laughs> and then shaped into something fresh and new again. So these four elements, right? So the thing is, the first one, we're talking about Guru Tattva. So Krishna is saying you have to be your own Guru. But your, your future, your spiritual mind, our spiritual destiny is determined by what kind of association you have. So the thing is about being your own Guru is you're just in a feedback loop with yourself. You know? Dr. Treya Rishi, who is giving these beautiful instructions about his Gurus, all of these instructions are about renunciation. Everything he's learning from everyone, like don't listen to the village, I learned that from the kid, don't listen to anyone, I learned that from the deer, don't touch anyone, I learned that from the elephant. Everything's like don't touch, don't be involved, like detach, stay alone, you know, take off all your bangles because if there's even two bangles together when you're, you know, husking rice, it'll make noise. So don't even stay with one friend. Be completely alone in the forest. Learn from the snake to be silent and hidden. If anyone comes, just like learn to be utterly, utterly alone. That's already his mood. You know, he's a yogi, he's an ascetic. So what he's learning from nature is a feedback loop. He's his own guru. Now that deer may be saying something else to someone else. You know, that's why this place is called Rangani Bhavan. You know, Bharat Maharaj, he left everything and went to the forest. And when he finally found his place to do bhajan in the forest, he got attached to a baby deer. 
So when I first moved in here, there's, and she's still here, a beautiful baby fawn who like frolics on the lawn and everything. So, and in this place, Rangani Bhavan, the abode of the playful fawn. It's like, it's a warning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't get attached. You've come so far. <laughs> <laughs> but Rangani is Radhika's pet dog. <laughs> so it's different. Who, what, who is, what are you feeding back? Where you're coming from is what you get back. So Sri Krishna, he's giving these instructions and he's feeling some Udipan. He's like learning from nature and all that, you know? And he's telling about Dr. Trayarishi because it's an ancestral story. But Sri Krishna is also telling this because he's a disciple also of nature. Because Sri Krishna, when he was in Braj, he used to learn every day how to dance from Radhika, whose presence is everywhere, saturating everything. He'd go to Radhakund looking for her, desperate to find her. You know, he's God, but she's the great mystery, Wakantanka. She's Prema, and God is searching for her forever. And she's she is expanding faster than he can catch up. He's created millions of spiritual worlds and material worlds and jivas and like everything to try to create a context for this like glorious phenomenon of her ever-expanding love. Like she is the causal principle of everything. You know? Everything. There would be nothing if she wasn't there to provoke Bhagavan, Brahma, to manifest as Bhagavan. You know, Krishna wouldn't be Krishna if there wasn't Radhika to compel him to play the flute and be beautiful and lovable. She has this appetite to love. And her mood suffuses everything. So Krishna is desperate to find her and he's looking everywhere in the forest and he'll go to Radhakund and he'll see in the afternoon the lotuses swaying in the pond and the bumblebees will land black bee will land and these black bees bumblebees when the sun hits them just right they shine blue mm -hmm. you see that we have also these like carpenter bee chubby guys they're like beautiful shyam blackish blue and glistening so there's this black blue bumblebee that lands on a pinkish lotus and when it lands the lotus bobs down like that and krishna's oh learning Radhika's dance of, this is Radhakund, so he's feeling in the presence that the breeze off of that palm touching him, he feels he's in her presence because it's her own swarup in the form of water. He's all the elements, but so is she, especially there. And that breeze touches him and his mind is spinning and he's looking how the lotus is bobbing with the weight of a bluish bumblebee. And he's thinking how Radhika's glances are so furtive. She looks down at her feet when she meets him on the path and then looks up again at smiling him. And he's learning. Oh, I have to be more clever. I have to learn this dancing of eyes. You know? He's feeling compared to her. I'm just like a rough village boy. I'm just like, you know, a cow herding boy with a blanket on my shoulder. And she's so refined. She's my guru in everything. You know? so there's not time to go in all the details of these things, but Krishna's learning from when the breeze blows through the trees through the shady groves there's some golden creepers hanging and they twist and turn and when they float on the breeze and twist and all the little leaves tremble krishna's saying oh how she dances and how when she dances and moves and when the breeze plays with her how her also sakis are happy you know like the leaves and flowers trembling so krishna's student forever also vyasadeva is one small part of krishna one little like uh, portion or aspect of Krishna has become the perfect student, perfect guru, universal teacher, literary incarnation. But Sri Krishna must have that quality of being 
the best shisha and the best transmitter also. So especially Maharaj is saying, we cannot dive into that ocean just now, but that ocean is here. She go to Gadaghar, it's ultimate limit of that principle. Vande Guru Shri Charanadavindra. I bow forever to her, who is the ultimate guru. And the ultimate aspiration, the disciple who wants forever. We're always, if we're always the disciple, if we're always learning, always shishit, then we always want newer instructions. Teach me more, teach me more, teach me more. And without stepping on the heads of those who have taught us, sometimes they will lift us. Send us, someone can help us a while or some situation helps us and then it very lovingly sends us to a next higher stage of life. Shiguru is the stage of life that we're in. And eventually, you know, our parampara, you end up like Shri Raghunathas Goswami, and he's praying, Oh, Radhika, when will that day come that you will take me to a private place in a cave and you will teach me to play this Kachapi Veena? I'm shy in front of the other Sakis and things, so I don't want to be like making mistakes and they all laugh and giggle at me when I. <laughs> when will Radhika my, herself be my guru? Oh, Radhika, when will you teach me riddles? Oh, Radhika, when will you teach me to joke and to sing and to tell stories? And like many things he's audaciously saying, I want you to be my guru. I want to learn from you directly. So it's not that we step on the heads of the other agents of grace. We're always das and das and das and das and das. But where is the fountainhead of, you know, even here he's appealing, he's learning, and she's deciding, evaluating him. <laughs> forever, shisha to her glory. That means forever to be a student of love. That is the essence of our parampara. Where audacity is, we want to come swim like a salmon all the way to the fuente, to the source, that original beauty and love. We want the most unfiltered direct teachings. I want to learn from love herself. What do I want to learn from her? I want to learn how to serve her. No, this is our discipleship to Bhakti Devi. Bhakti Devi is our guru. Harinam Prabhu is our guru. Thakurji is our guru. And it doesn't minimize also our gurus, our Diksha and Shiksha gurus and all these forms. So this day we're celebrating these topics, these good discussions, hoping also to come in the chain of life. You know, it's we have to grow up from just being a recipient. Oh, Gurudev, 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 help me, help me, help me, answer my questions. The real flow will come when we start to also reach. There are always people that know more than us and that we can benefit from. And there are always people for all time that know less and can benefit from us. Every single person everywhere has someone they can look up to. No one's at the top except her. And every person everywhere has those who need their help. And this motion, when you see Mahaprabhu, the deity like this, this is like plugging into life. You know, if the guru is also a disciple, the disciple should also be guru. Loving and extending the hand of help that has been extended to us. Not lording anything over anyone, but just taking your place in the chain of life so that that current of Kripa Shakti can fully flow and do its work and we can arrive at our destination. So, wonderful to be with you all on this auspicious day. Um, sorry to be talkative. I just get excited. You guys are in my house. It never happens. <laughs> I was freaked out all day trying to arrange everything. And so now it's like balancing out. Okay, now it's all okay. You see, you're like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> so now I'm kind of enjoying that it's okay. You know, I have strangers in my house. Not anymore. We're sharing these 
face together. So we are family under the moon of Shri Guru. Hare Krishna. I don't know if there are any questions, something you would like to ask. We have a few minutes. <clears throat> Just a few minutes. <laughs> a few. I mean, a few is relative also. No? Time can become, Krishna's time himself. He can become elastic to accommodate whatever time we need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your sweets are offered? Already? Yeah. Already offered? Now and slowly. Now and slowly. Um, <laughs> that's not my idea to answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, the class. It was very nice. I really like it. Um, I just would like to ask if you have the opportunity to be being in Radakonda for Bobonima or I don't know. You are asking me if I had the opportunity, the opportunity. to be yeah. in Radakonda for Gorponim. Yeah. Unfortunately not. Okay. Yeah. I had the opportunity to be in Radakon for Kartik and now the for Gorponim. I'm sorry for for uh, yeah, Guru Purnima, Guru Purnima. Yeah. Oh. For Guru Purnim, not for Guru Purnim either, for Kartik. But Guru Purnim, I've never had that, that particular taste, but would, would, will be an interesting experience, especially when Tamal was mentioning this last point, I was I couldn't avoid. Remember in this line, Radhikar Prima Guru Amishishyanata, which Krishna himself is speaking through the pen of Krishna Das Kaviraj, which basically Krishna is saying, my guru, Amishisha, I'm a disciple, Amishisha, and guru is Radhika Premanada. Her dancing is my guru. I'm a disciple and she's my guru, and, and she's love personified, as she mentioned, and love dances. There's no other way of conceiving the movement of love. So, yeah, it's a very intimate place to be for Guru Purnim, Sri Radha for sure. Yeah. Let's see if that comes in time. <clears throat> Yeah. I was um, appreciating when you were speaking about the guru disciple as like an eternal principle simultaneously, and just realizing like, yeah, if the living entity is an eternal individual, it's just just interesting because we think of parampara as like temporal. We think of like the lineage of teachers and students as something that moves through time, but if all living entities are eternally existing then like I, I was just thinking similarly the other day you were bringing up the game you know thinking of our spiritual life as the game and the roles that we play in the game and just like that it is that that dance between the guru and the shishya eternally mm -hmm. because they're just actually there isn't really a temporal difference even though we might have you know the guru who's 30, 40 years older than we are, in reality, it's mm. like we actually have all existed. Anyway, it's a little bit <laughs> meta, but I was appreciating that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. once I remember we're thinking about, because our charas describe how, of course, we have the eternal projection prospect to, to serve 
Sri Sri Radha and Krishna in Golok Vrindavan, but also there is a simultaneous chamber for us Gaudiya Vaishnava to serve in Golok Navadvip, to serve Mahaprabhu and Golgadadar eternally. And it is mentioned that in that particular realm, we will be appearing as young Brahmin sadhakas, so to say. And we will we'll be living in the ashram of our guru eternally. But of course, if you start to play out the whole equation, it's okay, if I will live eternally in the ashram of my guru, but my guru will be a disciple of his guru. So he will be also living eternally as a disciple in the ashram of his guru. I mean, don't try to overthink that. <laughs> but the point is eternally guru, eternally disciple. I mean, ultimately, these two words become synonymous. Like Tamal also mentioned, the best disciple is naturally guru, and the best guru is naturally disciple. So in one sense, the two of them start to merge and become one, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Because again, whether you are, if you are a guru, that's a service. It's, guru is not a, a position, so to say. No, guru is not a, a post. Guru is a service. So service means servant. Servant means student. So it's just servanthood taking different shapes, basically. You know? Sometimes we would say, you know, very, sometimes in order to, to serve po properly, we may have to resort to specific attitudes in service. Mm -hmm. like, like when the scripture said, okay, you have to love Krishna, be friendly with the devotee, be compassionate with the newcomer, and take a distance from the envious one. But all those different ways of relate are all in the context of serving each one of those persons. It's all in serv servitude to Krishna, to the Vaishnavas, to the newcomer, to, to it's all serva. What it takes the form again. Sitting up on a Vyasasan, entering the altar, not because you think you are Srimurti, but someone sent you to clean there. So you enter the altar as a servant or whatever. So. Okay, the Jagannath came for the next question. Yes. Um, yeah, my question is, we learned that there's um, relationships that we develop with, with divine, with God, you know, as we get more intimate, you know, from Shanta, Dasya, you know, Sakya, Vatsana, Madhurya. So how does... Uh, the relationship in terms of guru, is, is there any, where is the room for that in those mm -hmm. rasas? Is it the rasa or how can I understand that in terms of my relationship? Or is, is it on the side? Or? I'm waiting for the enlightened answer. Sorry? I'm waiting for the enlightened answer. Let's keep waiting there. I don't know if I understand the question exactly. I think he's asking what's the right we have this rasa and what's our relation with the gurus in some of those rasas, there is a movement, what's something like that. Right? Is it in Dasya Rasa Rasa? Hmm. I mean Krishna is Akila Rasa Murti. Krishna is the object of Bhakti Rasa. Yeah. No? He's called the Vishaya Lambana in technical terms by Rupa Goswami. He's the object of rasa, not the guru. So, so it's an important point. We speak about all these rasas, all of them are directed at Vishaya Lambana, who is Krishna himself. 
So in connection to the guru, the relationship basically is dasya, but the type of dasya which is tinged with sakya. In the words of Sri Rupa Goswami, Vishrambhina Guru Seva. So Vishramba means a type of intimacy and confidence. So we have to render Guru Seva, but with Vishramba. Vishramba is also interestingly the kind of the Swarup Lakshan of Sakya Rasa, like the active principal ingredient of the relationship of friendship. So Vishramba means like confidence and intimacy. So of course you may not have that with the Guru on day one, but the relationship should ideally evolve into one of friendship. Of course, not friendship on as equals, but there's a type of friendship like the one you can have with your father, for example, after if everything was done properly throughout the different previous stages, your father will be like a friend to you. Yeah, still he's your father, still there is that, that hierarchy, but there is a type of sweet friendship. Actually, interestingly, if you start to play out, almost every relationship has to converge in a type of friendship with your wife, with your father, with your children, with the guru. <laughs> How do you explain in Jaiva Dharma? Because my mind went to Jaiva Dharma where Raghunath Das Babaji, I think this is in the second part of the book, and he has two disciples, Rajanath and Vijay Kumar, and they both have two different Even aspirations. Mm -hmm. And then when they look at their guru, they see the guru as representative of that Saki or that Saka according to their particular rasa. So I think Rajanath is in Sakya rasa. So when he has a perception of the guru, he sees the guru as manifest as Subal. 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 And then Vijay Kumar sees his guru as Lalita Saki. Yeah. So my mind was going there also in mm -hmm. this question in relationship to rasas and this sort of subjective experience of the guru according to the subjective aspiration of the disciple. That's so, your part of the answer then? Well, yeah. that's, I'm putting that on the table for, for discussion. <laughs> and I'm, throw, I'm throwing the table for you. <laughs> I don't understand exactly how the, because, and then there's Raghunath Das Babaji, he himself must have his own position in relationship to reality. I don't remember that being disclosed so much in detail in Jaiva Dharma. Mm -hmm. So what we're hearing is a subjective, you know, so at first the guru is <clears throat> Krishna, come to teach you, but then at a higher stage of subjective development, mm -hmm. you don't see even the guru as Krishna come, but rather as a representative mm -hmm. of Krishna mm -hmm. in terms of the rasa that you want mm -hmm. to participate mm -hmm. in. And so, yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a podcast we're starting. Uh, <laughs> if yeah, like I mentioned, like we mentioned before, like this, the guru is a servant of the shraddha of the disciple. So if any, every disciple has a particular shraddha or a particular, let's say more specifically, devotional affinity, even unconsciously, it's not that the guru even, I mean, I, I'm not saying that at that moment, Raghunath Das Babaji was like, okay, now I will give them darshan of such and such to nourish, to nourish their shraddha, but, mm -hmm. but in a very automatic way that the, the guru said Srila Prabhupada will say what's the expression transparent via medium or something like that mm -hmm. uh, through which Krishna's presence becomes manifest because again if we go to what Guru Tattva entails we know it's a very complex tattva the most complex I would say so there is the side of the guru which is Sakshak Harit Vena Samastra Shastra so in one sense in a representational sense the guru is Krishna, and therefore Krishna will express himself 
according to that person. And by Krishna, sometimes we will say Sri Krishna and Sri will extend to the associates. So according to the faith of the disciple, the arrangement will be automatically made. So to say for the disciples eventually to have that particular darshan that will nurse their sraddha again. No? It's not like the gurus maybe consciously think I will him show myself as Lalita, I will show myself as Subal. But when the disciple reaches that particular point, the figure of the guru again expresses itself, himself, herself as whatever that strata has to do with and serving that strata manifests the corresponding darshan to nourish the longing. It's not that literally Raghunath Das Babaji was Lalita, was Vishaka, and as you mentioned, he had his, his, himself his own affinity, but through him, that particular revelation came to nourish the strata of the disciples, so that, that can happen. <coughs> It seems like a unique contribution of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. That's a very interesting. And in terms of like what people, call, well, what I guess scholars would refer to as like traditional Gaudiya Vaishnavism, mm -hmm. where all the gurus were, you know, sakis or mandris specifically, mm -hmm. and they would give that to the disciple. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Jaiva Dharma, and also Atari Nanchantamani, which is like one of his last books, mm -hmm. he's talking about like a discussion. Yeah, between the disciple and the guru, yeah. where the, the disciple like reveals a certain affinity, and then the, the guru like instructs them according to that, yeah. and then you know, Martin and the, the disciple accepts that. So this seems like a unique. Yeah. And there are things like what he says that in time, if some of the details that the guru reveals more in the context of the Siddha Swaru mm -hmm. are not working for the disciple. Okay, we can continue talking and adjusting whatever is not working, which kind of it's not so much like the traditional, so to say, understanding like absolute revelation. This is what you are. That's it. But Bhaktivinoda points at how this type of it's kind of more of a placebo, so to say. The word placebo, the word like 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 a template given to the disciple, and if it's not working in a certain aspect, that can be gradually adjusted. So that for me is much more yeah realistic so to say about that particular interaction yeah oh yeah i agree that's a great contribution but so there is place for further revelation again it's not that that was all said and done already so we can do some kirtan before concluding and then reprashad sri sri guru name ki jai sri sanatan goswami tirubab mahotsav ki jai sri chatur master ki jai sri gaur gadadhar ki jai harinam prabhu ki jai gaur bhakta vrind ki jai gaur pramananda sri sri